Welcome to Camping Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. We are starting Season 4. Woo, welcome to Season 4 of 7th Heaven, but just the one continuous season of Camden Cast. In this episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 1 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is The Tattletale Heart, or if you are in Germany, it is called Matt Leaves the Nest, but leaves is spelled... Incorrectly, L-E-A-V-E apostrophe S. So our IMDb user synopsis is, His wicked sisters selfishly make Matt feel guilty. He hasn't moved out yet, although Ma still hopes to keep him home in a garage apartment. They even get Hank to find him a menial morning job in the hospital cafeteria. Simon, however, feels deserted by his big brother, who takes an apartment he shares with John Hamilton. The parents worry needlessly about the visiting colonel's attitude to Julie's marriage with Hank, but when the oldies find out from the kids they are cool, having gone soft after a world trip, as George's crazy hairstyle illustrates, yet the stress gives already overworked Eric a mild heart attack. I don't think any of those were complete sentences. Nope. Uh, there was no guilt involved. No, it made it sound like that entire episode is about Matt. Yeah, which... I guess it... Sort of. All right, well. So what was your first impression, season four? Um, <laughs> I don't... It... Sucked. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess I had higher hopes for season four. I won't, obviously... It's not like I'm going to stop watching. <laughs> um, it didn't really deliver. I mean, I guess it was... Uh, it, it was good as in, like, it... You, you now realize where everybody is. And I'm hoping, like, the second episode of season four will actually pick up on some story. But even, like, the main drama in the episode wasn't that enticing or yeah. captivating in any way. Yeah, it was another one that it was just dealing with the family, really. No outsiders, except for John Hamilton. Oh, and in the, the, so in the opening credits, a lot of new footage, and also the first... Time. This is the first season we've ever seen a non-family member in the opening credits, and it is Char- Chaz Lamar Shepard who plays John Hamilton has been elevated to, like, series regular. Yeah, which means that he'll probably be in most, if not all, of the episodes. Yeah. Um, wait, because actually I think everybody's been in all the episodes so far, right? Everybody that's, on, like, on in the yeah, opening credits. Yeah, in the Camden is, family. Nobody's missed an episode yet. Except for those twins. They missed a bunch. <laughs> but... Well. Yeah, everybody's been in every episode so far. Twins aren't even in the opening credits. No, not yet. Because there's still four, it's still four babies playing the two. The the twins. Yeah. Mm. Um, So, I guess we'll start with talking about the episode now. Yeah. uh, It starts with um, the Rev sitting in a hospital looking at somebody on a hospital bed that we don't know who that somebody is. I, as someone who's not seen this episode before, thought he was, like, coaching Julie through her, like, pregnancy. Well, he's, like, holding the Bible, and he's going, like, everything's going to be fine. Every So... Well, I, I thought maybe she was having, like, pregnancy trouble or something. Perhaps. Um, but you realize right away that it's a, like, it's not real life because... There's a lot of light around him. I feel like they tried to make him look, like... Ethereal? Yeah. And also, um, it's the when he speaks, it's an, like a, an echo. Yeah. So, 
Um, and then that, like, kind of fades out, and we are in the love den, where the Ruth and Colonel are visiting and holding the babies. Yeah, uh, and the Colonel at first is like, oh, when, are, when is Julie going to come over with her new boyfriend? I can't wait to meet him because I want to see how Julie is at making decisions when she's sober. So I didn't know if that's, that seems, like, not cool. Right. <laughs> no, it doesn't seem cool at all. Um, and so quickly we realize that the Ruth and the Colonel, the Colonel and the Ruth, do not know, one, that Julie is married, and two, that Julie is pregnant. Yes, so, but they also kind of, like, we see George comes into the room at a certain point. Oh, well, before, I just want to say, before this this happens, um, the Rev has gotten a haircut, or he's done something different with his hair. I think it's shorter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of haircuts, Simon and Matt walk in first. Simon has a hat on his head, um, and the Ruth and the Colonel are, like... Remind uh, him that it's rude to wear hats inside. So he takes it off, and Simon has a haircut for the first time in... Three seasons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a real boy band 1999 look. It's like a spiky... He's got spiky hair. Yeah, he's got spiky hair. It kind of looks like it hurts if to touch... <laughs> Um, but, like, this is something that no one knows about, I guess, other than Matt, because Matt's the one that took him to get the haircut, because Annie's shocked by it, too. Yeah. Um, and that's when we realize, I, I, maybe this is something that we knew before, but um, the Ruth and the Colonel have been traveling the world for the past six months. Yeah, I think we knew that, because when they, like, adopted George, and they were like, we're going to see the world, it's a new lease on life. And they said, oh, we totally um, approve of your choice or, like, accept your choice because we've been around so many places where individual freedoms are, like, don't exist. Like, they, people are oppressed. And then to show that they care, that they that don't. That they're so relaxed now. Uh, Dirty Boy George comes in. Uh, George, if you don't remember, was the child that the colonel and the Ruth adopted. Where's his father? Yeah, I was just thinking that because remember that he was going to move to Buffalo. Yeah. He moved to Buffalo to be with them, and now they apparently traveled the world without him. I wonder what happened to the father. Yeah, the details. Come on. <laughs> um, he walks in with like dreads. Yeah, uh, and like, like very much um, like a Rastafarian like hat. hat. Um, so, you know, cultural appropriation, just casually there. Um, and everybody's shocked by it. Yeah, but he's just like, you know, they've eased up on their parenting or whatever, so this is cool. I don't know. Um, and I don't know what else happens. Well, uh, in the rest of the cold open, we see what the girls are doing in the fa- of the family, uh, which is eating ice cream, specifically Briar's chocolate ice cream. Yeah. Uh, Mary is looking like a limited to... Yeah, a- advertisement, and, yeah. So that's her 90s fashion moment. She's wearing, like, a hot pink bandana with a hot pink top that matches. Yes. With, like... With, like, flowers yeah. on it. Yeah. Uh, Lucy is there as well, and so is Ruthie. They are talking about the fact that it's going to be really hard to keep the secret about, you know, Julie. And Hank, and the baby, and all of the things that go with it. So... That is it. Yeah. Then we go to the opening credits, which we've already mentioned. Yes. Uh, New opening credits, new character on there. Um, And then we come back. And the colonel is making breakfast. 
And he's wearing a free Tibet shirt. <laughs> the free Tibet campaign. So this is they they really they're really taking their like their social justice crusade seriously. I mean, they have a T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it seems like the colonel knows that like the family is hiding something from him because he's like serving Simon pancakes and he's like, oh, what do you know? Like he casually brings up Julie. He's like, oh, what did you and George like catch up last night? Um, what did like he he says something about Julie. Do you want to tell me what you told him about Julie or whatever? And Simon's like, oh, what did I tell him about Julie? I don't know what where he was going with this. But pretending like, oh, well, I guess I guess we get the idea. Well, actually, I was right about this. Yeah, you Because I had guessed. Um, so I guess we, I'll just say it. So yeah. He told, so Simon has told George that Julie is, I, I, I guess, at least married. Maybe not said that she's pregnant. Um, so... The colonel, I think, already knows, and he's trying to get at it, like, he's trying to get everyone to be, like, up front with it. Um, and yep. then Ruthie is, oh, Ruth- we get the idea he already interrogated Ruthie, and that Ruthie already gave it up, because then we see Ruthie in the love den watching TV and eating pancakes, and then Annie comes in to try to find out from her what she might have told the colonel. Uh, and Ruthie kind of sneaks away, because she's... She's guilty. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, meanwhile, upstairs in the attic where Matt is snoozing, I guess. Um, Mary. <laughs> Mary. Mary. <laughs> Mary and Lucy walk in and are, like, looking at measurements or looking at what they're going to, like, where they're going to place what. Because they have aspirations to move into the attic. Yeah. Uh, they've decided that it's time. Matt is almost 21, apparently, as we learned in this episode. And it's time for him to leave the nest, in their opinion, because, well, Annie and the Rev are trying to get the twins out of their room because they're, like, I don't know, like nine months old now. So. Are they nine months old? When were they born? Oh. February to, nope. I, no. <laughs> don't, I am not good at math. February to September, so. Or, like, late August. That many months. Because um, I don't think they're back at school yet. No, they're not. Uh, Even though this aired in late September. Yes. Um, so, Matt um, is well on, like, they, Matt's well on his way now to, so he decides that he's going to try to find an apartment. So he walks into the love den where um, Annie kind of wants him to move into the garage, you know, being the eldest, and she loves her son. She doesn't want her son to leave. And he's like, I'm going to look for an apartment. And she's like, shouldn't we be looking for a job first? He's like, well, if I get an apartment, it'll motivate me to look for a job, which is backwards, but that's what I'm doing, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We then move on to the fact that the Rev is really busy. Yeah, and that's really his whole bit. Right. Is just being busy, because we're supposed to see how stressful it is to be the reverend, but also keeping a secret about your sister. So um, the reverend walks in. I feel like we missed a scene, but it's fine. He walks into the kitchen, and uh, I think Annie's also there at this point. And you can tell, again, that the colonel um, is really trying to get something out of, somebody to say something. Um, We realize afterwards, just like Aaron says, that they know. Because I think we, all the kids at some point, have told, uh, like, exposed it. That's, like, later on. They're like, it's my fault. No, it's my... Oh, that happens twice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, 
he like basically the colonel has let like Ruthie uh, eat din- eat her breakfast not at the kitchen table but in the li- in the love den and is allowing her to watch cartoons. And this is uh, when one of my favorite quotes from this episode is said. <laughs> because the rev is like, you're letting her watch cartoons. You're the one that said that Popeye was not worthy of the costume, that Gotham is a communist, like, utopia, utopia. and that Betty Boop is a loose woman. Which <laughs> you agreed with. Well, I don't know if I agree with it. I just think that, like, I recently watched a couple of Betty Boop cartoons. Um, <laughs> I will not tell you why that that happened. It just did. Um, and People are going to be writing in and demanding to know why you were watching Betty Boop. <laughs> I actually really want to know. I'll tell you <laughs> off air. Okay. <laughs> it makes it sound really scandalous, but it's not. Um, but, I mean, she's not a loose woman. They, they've just written her as, like, a damsel in distress who constantly needs to be saved by, like... But her boobs are falling yeah, out. Yeah, and her, like, by big muscular women that need to, like, smooch her all the time. So, I don't know. Maybe I guess she's not... Who knows? Well, uh, all right. But um, the fun fact about this scene is that in syndication anyway, so we don't know if what it is on DVDs um, or on Hulu, but at least in syndication, um, they t- edited this out. I wonder... It was too scandalous. Well, because the the, epi- the, the channels that it was syndicated on like were up, and they, uh, ed- they do a lot of editing on random episodes where it really does not need to be done. Wasn't it on also on ABC Family at some right, point? Right, and I was going to say, I feel like ABC Family is... They also do a lot of unnecessary editing. Well, they don't air certain episode, episodes of Boy Meets World at all because they deal with... Yeah. Or when when they used to air. Well, it's freeform now, so... Yeah. Is it still owned by Disney, though? Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's why it's called freeform, because it's not owned by Disney. Or maybe they were just trying to rebrand it and wanted people to not think that it's owned by Disney anymore. Or that it's just a family channel. Yeah. Um, well, anyway. <laughs> right. Too much. Um... I mean, I, what's so scandalous about, I guess, because Gotham's a communist utopia? <laughs> well, I guess because, like, loose woman, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't. So, anyway. Um, well, but right. we, we We're getting the idea that the Rev thing, clearly everybody thinks that the Colonel and the Ruth are going to have some sort of, like, ridiculous reaction to Julie's marriage and her pregnancy. But what we're seeing is, from, like, the cold open onward, is that their, like, worldview has completely changed because of their international trip. (laughs) Um, You know, they're all about individual freedoms. They're a lot more, like, love, free love, and all that (laughs) hippy-dippy bullshit. Yes. (laughs) Um, You know, because he's letting Ruthie watch cartoons. That's it. (laughs) I don't know what the Rev and Julie watched when they were children, but... Not cartoons. Especially not Popeye. Or Betty Boop. (laughs) Um, I think moving on, we can go to the fact that Matt is parked outside of the building. Right, because Annie's like, oh, you need to move into the garage. And he's like, I don't want to move into the garage. But he's like, I'm going to go look for apartments. So we see him walking around with the classifieds, and Annie's like, but you don't have a job. You can't move out. And... He goes to look at an apartment, even though he has no job, and John Hamilton sneaks up on him, actually, and he gets scared. Very startled. Um, And they both, yeah, they both are like, oh, I'm going to get this apartment. We find out that they're both looking, right, they're both looking for a place to live, Um, and at some point in that conversation, it's not actually, like, I paid attention to this conversation, but it's, it's not actually established but somewhere they both decide that they're going to move in together. 
It's, well, because John is like, I don't have a car. And I have to use public transportation. To get to work. And Matt's like, well, I have a car, but I don't have a job. But I don't know. I think it's just because, like, yeah. They, they both go to look at it, and it makes it seem like they're going to fight over it. And then they're like, we'll just move in together. And it's a studio. And also, there's, like, a, I guess this is a, supposed to be a funny scene, but it's really not. Um, they walk into the studio apartment, and it's trashed. Yeah. It's, like, falling apart. There's dirt everywhere. Like, newspapers. There was a trash can in the middle. I think middle. something was leaking, too. Yeah. There's a, tra- a trash can in the middle of the apartment. There's no furniture anywhere. And they look at it, and they're in love with it. They high-five, and they're like, this is awesome. So they decide to um, go ahead and take it. Um, meanwhile, back at home, uh, the rest of the kids are being a bit selfish. Uh, yeah, because, well... Lucy and Mary are pretty much already, like, moving their stuff in uh, and deciding how they're going to, like, redesign the room. This is when we learn that Lucy and Mary are thinking of turning part of the attic into a bathroom, which brings us to our point from, like, a few podcasts ago. They don't... There's no second bathroom upstairs until after Lucy and Mary move in, right? To the attic? Yeah, yeah. So... Where the fuck was Simon sending Cindy? <laughs> maybe he was hoping she'd get lost and not come back. <laughs> yes, that, I mean, maybe that's exactly... Well, that's not what happened, but she did, <laughs> she did not come back. Um, th- so the plan is... So currently, just so everybody's up to date, Matt lives in the attic. Uh, the twins and the Reverend Annie are in the master bedroom. Lucy and Mary share a, be- uh, a bedroom. Ruthie has her own, and Simon has his own. Now, uh, they, when Matt supposedly leaves, which nobody knows that he's taken the apartment yet, um, Mary, Mary and Lucy talk about living together in the attic. Simon says, uh, Simon says, uh-huh. Well, Simon is going to stay in his room. Right. But the twin. he makes the suggestion to Annie that, like, oh, I could move into the twins' room and then we could put a couch and a TV in my room and it would be like a den so I could entertain... Like, it would be like Simon's man cave and he's like, so I could entertain without interrupting anyone. And Annie was just like, no. Uh, Simon says that he'll move... Yeah, he'll stay. The, the Ruthie will move into Lucy and Mary's old room and um, the twins will move into Ruthie's room. At some point, there's also discussion of potentially Mary and Lucy having their own rooms. yeah. But how would that work? Because where would the twins go? Uh, oh, the twins would just move into Simon's and Ruthie would stay in the room she's in? I have no idea, yeah. <laughs> um, but Mar- uh, Annie quickly, like, shuts all these ideas down. Until she runs into the Colonel and Ruth who want to go to the hardware store No, not, again. not the hardware store. They want to go to the mall first. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and she wants to take the girls shopping. But Annie's afraid that if they go shopping that they'll bribe the news about Aunt Julie out of uh, Lucy and Mary. So Annie, thinking on her feet, is like, oh, you can't go to the mall because you're moving into your new rooms right now. And nobody knows yet that Matt has this apartment. So they're just just, like throwing his stuff out on the front lawn (laughs) um, and everybody's moving. We then have a scene where Annie kind of guilt trips the girls. Um, The girls are like, well, oh, not actually not uh, right now. This doesn't happen right now. My bad. Um, Lucy and Mary, as they are moving into their new room, decide that the best thing to do is get Matt a job. So they think about all the people that they could talk to to get Matt a job. Um, 
and they land on Dr. Hank Hastings. Um, he's like, let's call Hank, Uncle Hank, um, and see we, if we can get Matt a job there. Um, and that actually ends up working out. Yeah. Uh, because we find out later that Hank, all the ladies at the cafeteria at the hospital love Hank, and that they had a an opening for someone to work in the hospital cafeteria. So that's what Matt is going to be doing. I guess this is the precursor to his dreams of going to med school and then being a doctor. This is how he gets inspired, yeah. Spoiler, sorry. Sorry, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I knew this, and I haven't seen 7th Heaven, really, so. Yeah. Um, I guess we should go back a little bit and talk about what the Rev's doing in the meantime. I, he's not doing anything. He's just running around. Like, I wrote something. At first, he's, like, counseling a couple, and I thought that they might become, like, important, and they might be, like, the couple of the episode that he has to save. And then I realized at the end, I was like, they were just in one scene talking about how they were going to sell their house because they needed money. I think, I don't, the, the the Rev makes a point to the Colonel in the beginning of this episode about how the summer was not good to Glen Oak. Three of the companies in Glen Oak shut down and they've been a lot of like layoffs. Um, so a lot of counseling to be done. Over the I summer. Guess, yeah. yeah. And um, the emergency fund at the church is has basically been bled dry um we gather that having the twins is really taking a toll on finances i don't know um and also just like sanity um so some point stress 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 and the way that they basically hammer it home because i um Apparently, I think in the Amazon summary of this episode, it points out that the Revsh ends up at the hospital. But Aaron uh, skipped over that, so I didn't actually read it. But there is a scene where, like, he's getting all these phone calls and a lot of things are happening. I think he's also stressed about his parents finding out about Julie, um, where they kind of, like, get rid of all the outside noise and you just hear the beating of his heart. <laughs> it's like, boom, 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 And that's boom. when you knew. And um, I was like, oh, so he's going to have a heart attack. Like, all right. Um, and that happens a few times in the episode. He needs to, like, go help Sergeant Michaels deliver the bad news about somebody being stabbed due to drugs or something. Yeah. Um, and then, like, he has to help Mrs. Hinkle. We have a mittens mention. But we don't get to see her, which was supremely disappointing. He gets beeped by Lou, but Lou just wanted to say hi. Which, okay. Yeah, it's Um, like a Saturday. (laughs) Um, Annie, like needs him to buy some groceries because um, Hank and Julie are finally coming over to dinner to break the news to the Ruth and the Colonel. Yeah. Um, so he, we see that he's stressed out, and it's kind of, like, visible in the way that they've presented um, Stephen Collins, like, in makeup and stuff. He's, like, looking very pale, pale and, yeah, like, sweaty. sweaty. Yeah. All of the... Not well. Not well. Um, but before we kind of hit the climax of the episode, um, Matt... As we said, Matt comes home and delivers the news about... And, and Annie is just so upset. <laughs> well, a lot of people are upset. Yeah. Well, not a lot of people. Two people are upset. Yeah, I forget. Um, so as soon as Matt walks in the door, Mary and Lucy are like, you got a job. And he's like, no, I got an apartment. And they're like, well, you got a job too. So um, while he's like telling Lucy and Mary, Simon walks down and is like, you're moving out? Uh, and that's about, uh, I don't know, I thought Simon kind of over, I thought, <laughs> did, where did they think Matt was going to go? 
I think Simon's ideal was him staying in the garage. All right. But um, Simon feels like he's being abandoned, which I think, you know what, like, makes sense for Simon as a character, um, especially when you tell me that the boy, like, the twins do nothing for the rest of their lives. <laughs> um, beca- yep, they're pretty much useless. Because he's now the only... Man in the house. Other than the Rev, but, like, does the Rev really count? Um, so, I'm, like, Matt's gone, so he, feel like, he feels like he's going to be surrounded by all these... Women. I think that's bad, but... As, yeah. like, a, what, a 13-year-old boy? Yeah, I guess he's just like, you're my big brother, and you're supp-. Well, he makes a point later when Matt is packing. He's like, oh, you have to leave now, right in the middle of puberty? Right. And so. this obviously gets resolved where, like, Matt's, Matt says, um, don't worry, like, we'll still have time together. Maybe you can come over and watch some football. They, Matt doesn't have a TV, so I <laughs> don't know how that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but he promises that, like, even though he's... He's in, like, it's just across town. I'll come by and we'll be buddies. We also learn in this scene that uh, Shauna and Matt are still together. Yeah. Shauna is also upset at him for not consulting her beforehand. Because apparently she was supposed to be in on this uh, decision. Don't uh, know why. Because it's not like they're going to move in they, together. they, like, almost broke up in the last time we saw her. Um, Maybe they had a very, like, strengthening summer or something. Yeah. Um, he also needs to break the r- news to Ruthie. Yeah, which he tries to do, and then, again, with the kids, ru- like, the kids ruining, like, the big news or whatever. I uh, think we can get to, like, the big point in the episode, which is when um, the Ruth and Colonel finally see Julie and uh, Hank. I just want to say... We, Aaron and I were discussing um, how far along Julie could be. We're thinking that this is, like, late August or very early September. I, I'm going to put it at, like, five months. Um, so we're saying that um, the season finale last uh, in season three happened in May or, you know, around the beginning of the summer, end of the school year, beginning of the summer. Um, and she'd been probably pregnant for a month before the season finale? Possibly two. I'm giving her two. I think she'd be showing more. Actually, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking, yeah, she's like either four to five months pregnant. But she, so she's showing. Yeah. And the way that they've stylized this or choreographed this um, is that the Rev and... I'm, tr- I'm like doing this by hand. But the Rev and... Um, Hank kind of stand in front of her to block her. And and then she steps out from behind them. And she's like, this is Hank, my husband, and the father of my child, or your grandchild or something. And guess what? Nothing bad happens. The colonel and the Ruth are just like, that's great. Or you're married a doctor, which all along I was kind of thinking, like, she's marrying a doctor. Like, they, they keep acting like he's, like, some bad boy. or Well, he almost killed Matt. Yeah, all right, he almost killed someone. I, I think that would have been a great story point to have, like, the Rev and, not the Rev, the Ruth and the Colonel bring that up and be like, <laughs> the man that almost killed Matt? Yeah, well, they didn't. <laughs> um, at this point, I think the shock of it all um, is the thing that gets the Rev all like, oh, they're not behaving like they thought they would. And he has a heart attack, a mild one. Yeah. So his life is saved because by Hank. Yeah, 
Has he redeemed himself yet? I know. He's now saved, like, three lives after almost killing one well, person. Right, exactly. Well, he's he's actually saved four because Julie says she's, he saved her life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also. So that's four Camden lives. Or not Camden. Which I also don't like Camden. because she was doing, like, she was fine all on her own and, like, she's like, oh, Hank saved me. No, he didn't. She went to, like, rehab and, you know, I don't know. She doesn't need, I, yeah, she doesn't I, need to have Hank to be, like, Okay, I think that right. sent a bad message yeah. that you needed somebody else there in order to like. You can't be strong enough on your own. Which I think, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, that like she should, she should acknowledge the fact that she was able to have a relationship because she got there on her own. Yeah, I, I feel like it would have been really bad in like the middle of recovery to like start a relationship. So now we are going full circle in this episode because after the heart attack when the Rev is in the hospital, we see the scene again where an ethereal-looking, echo-voiced uh, Rev is sitting next to, a, like, next to a hospital bed in a chair with a Bible saying... And now you learned... That it wasn't him talking to somebody else. He it, was talking to himself. So he thinks he's God. Yeah. Which is disgusting. And he brings himself back to life. Basically, he's have well, the thing is, he tells the doctor, Dr. Peterson, and this is um, also a fun fact for all of you listeners, we, the doctor that usually, like, treats the Camdens um, is the same doctor, has been the same doctor for the yeah, first three we, seasons. Yeah, we said that, um, that when he got shot and, like, all the episodes before that when they were at the hospital, that, like, you were like, this is the most consistent thing on Seventh Heaven, this doctor. But now they've changed him. So now it's not... No longer the most consistent thing on Seventh Heaven. But apparently, um, this doctor stays with the show for a while, so new consistency? I don't know. Um, so the Rev is telling Dr. Peterson about his, like, vision of himself, and I'm like, shouldn't he be, like, committed? Yeah. But he doesn't. Um, but then the doctor is just like, you'll be able to go home tomorrow. <laughs> um, the Rev's kind of, like... The Rev's kind of still in shock about the fact that um, the Ruth and the Colonel have reacted this way. And the Ruth and the Colonel are like, what makes you think that we what? would... <laughs> what? makes you think that we would be, like, anything but happy for Julie and Hank? And she, and I think which is kind of, like, gaslighting the Rev here. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, if you think yeah. about, like, the way that the Colonel and Ruth were, like, presented the first time that we met them... They were, mer- like, very much seen as... Yeah, like, hard asses. But I think we're supposed to get the idea now they're, like, living this, like, life's too short kind of thing. And they even say, like, they say that, to, well, the, the colonel was like, oh, you're, like, type A like me, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you are, I am the reason you had a heart attack, because you're like me. Um, oh, everybody thinks, yeah, every, and this is another thing. And then thing everyone that- keeps blaming, yeah, blaming themselves for the heart attack. Mary and Lucy blame themselves because, oh, we asked for too much. We shouldn't have asked for new clothes or new shoes. Um, Simon also is blaming himself. Ruthie thinks it's her fault for talking about Aunt Julie. Yeah. And the point is that it's nobody's fault. It's the fact that he's been eating all those chocolate chip pancakes. And burgers. And burgers. Yeah. Uh, So... And the end, what we have at the end is... This cutesy scene, I guess, where all of the kids are home and they are waiting around for news on the Rev. And they are all in Annie and the Rev's bedroom. And Annie comes in from the hospital and she's all exasperated 
And she's like, what are you all doing in here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of the kids simultaneously are like, how's dad? So... They call dad at the hospital. To say goodnight to him to all tell, together. Tell him that they love him. Um, and the Rev's crying. And he looks up <laughs> and at the ceiling, presumably at God. Or himself, maybe, like, looking down at him. Maybe there's, like, a picture of God on the ceiling. Um, Saying, thank you for tomorrow. Basically, the message being, you should be thankful for every day of your life. Yep. Uh, Sure. So it was not a good episode. Um, I think it could, I think it had a lot of potential. I just think they, I think the main storyline should have been the Rev... No, I mean, you know what? It was okay. It was a decent episode. I've changed my mind about me being so upset about it before. before. I just don't like episodes where you can't, where they're also, like, tangled up. Right, right. I like drawing, like, lines through, like, storylines and being like, well, these people are, because they usually do, like, compartmentalize everyone and they're like, get them, you know. I think it's, yeah, I think. Like, Ruthie and Simon are doing this and then, like, Lucy and Mary are doing this. Matt's doing that. Right, Yeah, and then, like, the Rev is dealing with, like. Something. a, A congregant. I think, but I think, like, Seventh Heaven has extremes, right? They either do storyline, like, a storyline where everything's cut up, but then they have too many, like, they try to get too many storylines into one episode, or they do the other extreme where everybody's, like, too mingled together, and the heart of the story gets lost. Yeah. So, which is what happened, I think, in this episode. Um, Yeah, we had, what, like, I guess we had three main things happening, like, Julie and Hank... And their big reveal, the Rev's heart attack, and Matt moving. Yeah. But, like, it was all lost. Yeah. Well, that was it. <laughs> uh, what would you rate this episode? Um, 2.5. I feel like I've been hitting a lot of, been having a lot of 2.5s. I think I'm going to give this a 3.3. A 3. A 3. Just a 3. I was going to give it a 3.5, but that's actually, like, midway on the 7th yeah. heaven scale, and I don't think it was that I always good. have to reframe it and think, this is out of 7. Um, yeah, it's going to be a 3 for me. Okay. Um, we're sorry that the, or for us, the episode was not a good start to Season 4, but maybe for you, you felt differently. Yeah. And if you want to let us know how you feel, you can do so uh, by tweeting at us uh, at Camden Cash Show. You can also leave comments on our Instagram photos, or um, there's like a message feature on Instagram if you want to send us a message. Or you can email us at camdencast at gmail.com. Our Instagrams are at camdencast.com. At Camden Cast Show, by the way. Or you can leave a comment on our Facebook page, which is just Camden Cast. Um, the best way to listen to us is through, this, uh, through SoundCloud or through iTunes, uh, where you can subscribe, rate, uh, review even. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you think. We love hearing from you guys. And I'm Erin. And I'm Tanvi, and this was Is Camden Cast. <laughs>